0: Hey, folks, welcome to the House of Krause. I'm Richard Kraus, nurturing my Academy Award hangover. It's all over now. I don't have to think about it anymore. And yet, the facts and the figures and the predictions are still rattling around my brain. It'll take a day or so to get all of that stuff out of there, making room for next year's facts and figures and predictions that I'll have to Uh, insert in there and talk about endlessly. We do have an Academy Award winner on the show. A little bit later on, Benicio del Toro will stop by to talk about his new movie. It's called A Perfect Day. Something a little different for him after the hopelessness, the feeling of ennui that just dripped off every frame of the movie Sicario, he's back with something that is edgy, interesting, but somewhat slightly more hopeful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. First up, I want to introduce you to Kim Barker. Now, if you already know about the movie Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, you likely know who Kim Barker is. She's played by Tina Fey in that movie. Uh, She is a real life foreign correspondent, used to work for the Chicago Tribune. She volunteered to be sent to Afghanistan and Pakistan uh, to cover uh, the war that was happening over there at the time. And uh, once she got there, things changed. It became kind of a remarkable story about how this person who really hadn't been anywhere much before this, she told me uh, in the longer form of this interview that she had traveled a little bit, but had never been to Europe and says in her book that she wasn't really even qualified to come to Canada, let alone go to Afghanistan, but she goes there get sucked in by the lifestyle, by the people, by the adrenaline rush of being in a war zone and ended up staying for years. Wrote a book called The Taliban Shuffle, uh, which is what the movie is based on. Now they've changed the name to something, I guess a little more sexy, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, think of the acronym, WTF. I guess that's a a bit sexier than The Taliban Shuffle, although I think The Taliban Shuffle has a nicer ring to it. At any rate, Tina Fey, her in a movie that's the takeaway from this and I asked her what does it feel like to have probably the biggest female comedy star of the moment I guess maybe Tina Fey and Amy Schumer and Amy Poehler maybe have to have a three-way arm wrestle to claim that title but let's go with it for now Tina Fey plays her in a movie how surreal is that
1: it's nuts. I mean, yeah, it's really surreal. Well, I love that
0: in an early review, the Times review of your book in 2011 said, hey, Kim Barker, she kind of reminds me of Tina Fey. Right, right. And now years later, her, here she is playing you.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's that's not a coincidence. I mean, uh, the New York Times critic uh, Michiko Kakatani wrote that. And Tina Fey saw it, you know, I think her people probably showed it to her or, you know, my people, I don't really have people, but my <laughs> agent, you know, sent it over to her people. And she read the book and within two weeks of that review coming out, uh, she pushed Paramount and, and Lorne Michaels at SNL to basically option this book to make it into a movie. And she's a producer on it. She's been its champion behind the scenes. And that's pretty exciting. I mean it's like i said to to people okay so yeah it's been option to be made into a movie and they said well who's going to play you and i'm like i said smart funny woman in hollywood and everybody's like tina fey <laughs> i mean it was everybody's first answer yeah. was tina fey and i said yes and it's just like this little thing and then for a while i just stopped talking about it because it was like this little thing I was holding inside that I didn't want to ruin by talking about and it. And it takes time, right? Yeah. There's, we're talking yeah.
0: years here, right? It's, yeah,
1: it was years. And, it, you know, you didn't know Robert Carlock, who is the screenwriter, and he's her right-hand guy and was the showrunner on 30 Rock... And knows how to write her voice really well. Um, you know, he was really honest with me. We don't know that this is going to happen. It's kind of a hard sell in Hollywood. I mean, we always knew it was a hard sell. You know, it was a hard sell. The book was a hard sell. Right. How do you do dark comedy about a war? Um, yet, it's kind of the perfect way to yeah, tell it, about war. Well,
0: unless it's MASH right. or Catch-22 or something right. like that. Yeah. And, and you were saying earlier that stories about Afghanistan were a tough sell at, at the Chicago yeah. Tribune. So yeah. then you get the book out, and then the movie must have seemed like another giant leap yeah. beyond that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, and he was, you know, honest with me, it might not even happen. It's was, it was funny. Um, this guy on Facebook uh, posted something yesterday and he's like, true story, a couple of weeks ago I asked Kim Barker if she wants to have lunch next week and she's like, no, nah, I got to go on tour for this movie thing, <laughs> this movie book thing. And he says, what movie book thing? And I said, oh yeah, I wrote this book and like Tina Fey is playing me in the movie. And he said, WTF? <laughs> and I, yeah, I said, yeah, that's actually what the movie is called. Yeah. You know, because um, you know, I just right. stopped talking about it at a certain point because maybe I didn't want to jinx it. And it's also just so surreal that it's hard to even think about, like, people seeing this in the theater and, like, they're going to equate me with Kim Baker, even though Kim Baker is a version of me. And it's, it's fictionalized.
0: Well, it is sort of an alternate yeah. reality version yeah. of you because uh, the things in the book don't occur in the film, and there are things in the film that I don't think are in the book yeah. either. Uh, in in the film, you're on television; uh, in the movie, you're a, a, a or in the in real life, a print reporter, yeah. and and you know it, it starts from there, and the changes. point yeah. how did you feel about the, the the gentle massaging of your life story?
1: I mean, talking with Robert in the beginning, he was really honest. He said, "Look, we're going to have to Hollywood this up," and I said, "Well, of course you are. You're probably going to lose Pakistan." And he said, yeah, you okay with that? I'm like, fine. It's too confusing for people to go back and forth. I get that in one movie. It's not like if it was a 10-hour TV show, right? Right. Um, and then he, I said, and you're probably going to make it be a romantic relationship between me and Sean, you know, who's the Martin Freeman character yeah. in the movie. And he said, yeah, would you be okay with that? I'm like, Sean and I knew that was going to happen. He was in, in real life just a really, really close friend that right. one night, you know, we kissed. Um, but that was it. It was very <laughs> G-rated. Um, PG, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I knew that they were going to put more explosions in it. And it's funny because they did send me the script uh, back in February 2014, and I just, I couldn't. Read it because I had no control over it. You know, they told me you don't, you can't really control this. This is just for your information. And a friend of mine who was with me in Afghanistan, and she's one of my closest friends, Rachel, she said, Look, somebody has to read this to make sure that it's not going to embarrass you. Right. You know, so she's she read it and it took her like 45 minutes and she said, it's fine. It's good. It's really good. You're probably not going to like parts of it because it's going to make you seem more heroic than you think of yourself. You know, and she was absolutely right. I was like, oh, I'm not that brave. You know, um, it was a good take, but she knows me really well.
0: So have you seen the film?
1: Yes, I've seen it twice. Now. Were you
0: able to divorce yourself from it or is it What's that feeling like?
1: Okay, the first time I was not able to divorce myself from it, I viewed it very much like a journalist, like... True. <laughs> false. <laughs> partly true, par- partly false. Oh, I like what they did with that part, you know? Oh, that's actually about somebody else who I knew over there. You know, because Robert talked to so many people who had been in Afghanistan, so a lot of those stories are sort of overlaid over my story. Um, so, And it was sort of fun to, to watch it through that, but I'm not really watching it for a storyline you know, or anything like that. And really I've been watching it like with one eye closed going like, Oh, please let it be over soon. Please let it not embarrass me. You know, that sort of thing. Cause it's like, what does it say if the biopic about your life sucks? You know, does that mean something about you? And my agent and editor kept going to me like, it doesn't say anything about you, you know, just let it go. Just like you have no control over this, but yet I still wanted to control it. You can imagine like the last half of the movie, I started, like I got into it. Then I get into it and I'm like, Oh, this is actually, a good movie, mm-hmm. and um, and then at one point I teared up, um, which I did not expect to do. You know, obviously I expected I would laugh at a Tina Fey movie, but I think this is a really surprising movie for SNL and for Tina Fey to make because it's not all laughs.
0: No, it rides the line. I, what do you call it? A dramedy? Maybe yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a it's a it's a drama that that emphasizes the comedic parts frequently. Yeah, but it's not all laugh a minute.
1: No, and nor should it be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the book is not laugh a minute and like there's been, you know, some people about uh, have complained about the book. Well, it's not that funny. I'm like, <laughs> "Well, it's pretty funny and it is war, you know." Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the descriptions, a lot of the times in the book, the way you describe things that might be a serious thing, are, they're they're almost whimsical. Some of the descriptions, right?
1: Right. Well, I think I mean I guess we were talking about this the other day. With I was talking about this with somebody else at comedy is the idea of looking at things everybody has seen and seeing them maybe in a different way, right. you know, and pointing that out. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, you know. Um, sometimes it's going to... I made a joke in the book about, you know, Woody Allen says that comedy is uh, tragedy plus time. Yeah. And for Afghans, it's like five minutes. You, know, <laughs> you They would be making jokes, and I'd be like, too soon, too soon.
0: <laughs> the book is called uh, Taliban Shuffle. Renamed now, I'm holding it in my hands, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah, to with agree.
1: 100% more Tina Fey. With 100%
0: know. more Tina Fey. Uh, the film is uh, is the life story, or part of the life story, of Kim Barker, who was my guest in studio. Were you on set? Did you visit? Yeah. yeah,
1: I went on set for a couple days, and I was I was really excited. I thought it was going to be really you know exciting, and it turns out it's tedious. Yeah. It is hard work to make a movie. You I, know, It's got all these moving parts, and you have to shoot the same scenes over and over again, and I think they shot maybe a minute a day while I was there. And, you know, it's like you show up and um, it's just, it's a lot of waiting around. It's a lot of, again, repeating yourself over and over again. And I'd be like, after the 20th, you know, take, I'd, I'd say, God, I think they got it, you know? <laughs> and they'd be like, no, one more time. And, you know, it's just like this constant eating, too. It's just like, you know, you show up there and they're, do you want an egg white burrito? Sure. <laughs> you know, it's 8 a.m. Why not? 10 a.m. Would like, you like an eggplant wrap? Uh, sure. I like
0: the detail of the egg white burrito because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it would be on a film yeah, set. Yeah, right? it was.
1: Yeah. And then it was eggplant like mm-hmm. wrap at 10 and then, you know, sit down for the Indian buffet at 1 and at that point I'm like, okay, this is this is getting to be a lot of food for even a day. And then at 3 p.m. they bring, bring out the pizzas. Oh, no, well, uh, pizza.
0: Yeah, oh, really? oh, Yeah, pizza. Because I, the film. So frequently on film sets that I've been on, around 3 o'clock, they bring out chocolate. Everyone starts to flag a little bit. Right. They start to get tired, so they bring out candy and chocolate and things, okay. so you get a little rush.
1: Yeah, no, they were just trying to carve them up in New Mexico, <laughs> obviously. And then it's like the dinner, and it's, it was funny, on the second day, they were doing a late night of shooting, and it was just tired, and you're out in the weather all day, and it was cold. It was really cold and windy, and there was a storm when, when we were there. Um, and, you know, it's I think it was about 8 p.m. where I decided, I, I think I've seen enough. And, like, they were going to go till midnight, you know, and I was like, you know, Tina, thanks very much for your hospitality. I think I'm going to go back to the hotel. And she says, you can't leave yet. Um, What about the grilled cheese truck? I ordered a grilled cheese truck. And I was like, "I, you know, thank you. I've totally eaten enough. Um, So it's like, she was very kind to me on set. set. She's always been very kind. Um, But it's like, you know, what an experience for a journalist to watch this, you know, because I'm, you know, as I always joke around, I'm a trained observer. And so I'm watching everything they're doing there with that sort of eye. And then, you know, going on this press junket. And I mean, look at me. I'm all fully made up. You can't see that on the radio obviously but I don't look like this in real life you know I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt and a hoodie at work most of the time you know we
0: just have a couple of minutes left and so i'm gonna ask like the biggest question probably of the of the interview but how did it change you I mean clearly there had to be a core change uh that may not be obvious but it was something must have clicked in you
1: I you know I don't know it's always it's an, I get that question a lot and it's always interesting because and I feel kind of nervous about it because it's like you don't want to use war as a personal growth story because there are a lot of folks who are Afghans and Pakistanis who are still living over there and living in war and they in and, or, or in Syria for that matter who can't just leave and you know it's sort of like God, oh, I got to be a tourist in it and I could always leave you know I got to tell great stories and I was very committed to it but I got to leave and I, you know, I'd continue to feel some guilt over staying and not going back. Um, but sure, I learned, I learned how to be alone. I learned that I can handle anything. You know, I learned that like any place you send me, I can do it and I, I will be okay and um, be able to get myself through it. And that's a valuable lesson to learn. And I also think from, you know, Indians, Afghans and Pakistanis, I learned a sense of hospitality and the idea that like, you know, when you're going into a country that, that is a foreign country and all of them were so kind to me and invited me over for dinner and for tea and for all these things. They would do anything and to give help you me. presence and that sort of thing yeah. when you leave the
0: house. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and like how wonderful. And why don't we treat people like that back in the West? And so I've tried to incorporate that sort of hospitality with people coming to my country and, you know, with talking to taxi drivers. And maybe there's a lesson, you know, we can learn because America's supposed to be a country that's based on this ideal of, you know, welcoming refugees and, you know, the tired and the hungry and the poor and the people fleeing persecution. And I try to just remember that.
0: Not if you get your new president. (coughs) That's a topic for another time. I really enjoyed talking to Kim Barker. She was someone who, when I was gearing up to meet her, I wasn't exactly sure who I would meet. I wasn't exactly sure the person that would walk through the door of the House of Kraus, because you hear about foreign correspondents, how crusty they are, how hard-bitten they are, and she's quite the opposite, personable, funny, like really funny, laugh out loud funny. In the extended interview, uh, she made me laugh out loud a number of times. Afghanistan, there's not a lot of laughs coming out of there these days, but uh, she managed to mine them a little bit. Benicio Del Toro's new film is called A Perfect Day. In it, he plays an aid worker working in the Balkans in the 1990s, and it takes place essentially in a 24-hour period where these aid workers have to fish a dead body out of a well. It's been dropped in there to contaminate the water so that the, the locals won't have any fresh drinking water, and it's not going very well. I talked to Benicio about the hopelessness of Sicario versus what seems to be a slightly more hopeful outlook that A Perfect Day has. We talked about the film, shooting the film, interesting guy, there's a lot of ums and ahs in here, but listen to the words and I think you'll be interested. This is a a different kind of movie, I think. Uh, We've seen, I, I think films set in this world before but we've never seen it from this angle these are the people that we don't usually hear about who are the humanitarians that go to these war zones um can you tell me a couple of things firstly what kind of thing attracted you uh to this script and then what sort of research you did
2: well you know part of it was uh the, the movie uh the, the script uh the story and uh where, where, you know how you know the protagonists. um that attracted me to it and what you were saying, you know, aid workers, uh, that world a little bit and uh, and also the character, you know, um, people are trying to do good and uh, how complicated it can get um, quickly and and, uh, and and there was an element of the humor that that was really um, interesting. And I found interesting and, a, and a, like a riddle to solve to see if this movie could balance those two things. And I think it does. Um, the, the, the darkness of the war and the job and how difficult it is and the humor. And uh, the, the the humor was always kind of like a question. So my research, I've met some aid workers. I've met some aid workers before this movie. Um, and um, But I tell you, um, They all have a good sense of humor. When we tell you stories of, you know, even some dark stories, they they do have a sense of humor. It's a way of uh, of dealing with with the darkness
0: of of
2: their experiences,
0: yeah. And the pain that they see every single day. I mean, that's that's what I mean. Well, that's the thing about this film, and and in some ways, I I kind of looked at this um, in. In a way of being sort of a companion piece, and they're completely different films. But your film Sicario, when I left that film, I thought, okay, well, this movie is hopeless—or not the movie, but the the, the situation is hopeless nothing is going to change in that uh, the war, the drug war between Mexico and and the United States and in this sense I kind of felt like things were hopeless as well there's a a, a little glimmer of hope near the end near the very end but for me it just seemed as though a lot of this work was for naught and yet people do it as well do you see the connection or no?
2: Yeah, yeah, see the connection I do believe that uh, a perfect day is there is hope. Uh, I agree with you that uh, that Sicario is definitely hopeless, but I think in this one there is hope. It's th- I think both films, one of the things is that that, de- that deal with the hope or no hope or, or the hope, they're, they're playing with this, you know, through the picture, because through the picture we might think that there is hope in Sicario. Through the picture we might think that there is no hope here or at the end of the film of A Perfect Day you might think that there is no hope, but there is hope because they try to do the thing, the right thing. Now, I like the comparison. I think that you have, you're have onto something with the comparison of the two films. And perhaps, <clears throat> you know, that's, you know, I, I, uh, I actually did, uh, I was finishing a perfect day when I went into Sicario. So, you know, perhaps that was one of the things that Sicario was interesting because it was, the dark side of the coin, you know.
0: This film is a a mix of comedy. There's some very serious moments in the film as well. Um, It kind of reminded me of the movie M.A.S.H. a little bit. I I think that's a comparison that's been made a number of times. Uh, Do you see that? And is that something that you thought of? Did you go back and have a look at M.A.S.H. and saw how they kind of handled things? Or do you just go by what's on the page?
2: Um, you know we i we did see i did see that the mash thing i think i talked about it with the director i also talked about it with Tim Robbins a little bit um uh but the other film uh, that we also talked about was uh, no man's land by Danny Tanovic
0: mm. oh yeah uh,
2: yeah uh which also kind of took, you know it takes place in that part of the world and it kind of deals with the comedy and the darkness and the and the uh, and, uh, uh, and all the uh you know you know the, the comedy in a ridiculous way you know it's um, uh and and um so so yeah so, so those two movies but yeah there, there was there was a, there was a little bit of a, of, a, of a, you know we I, I did looked at mash and um
0: and uh, and, and this other film that no man's land yeah and uh-huh. When you're doing this kind of film, uh, you must learn something. You must take something away. I mean, I think we've all heard about aid workers that go there, but what did you learn that perhaps you didn't know and that you'd like audiences to know?
2: Well, that you know, I mean, uh, the the, the kind of like the obvious thing is that these these aid workers are some they're, they're heroes, you know. And um, I mean, I kind of knew that, but uh, but it, but being. The, Having the movie all put together and looking at it, you know, that it, it looks kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I learn a lot about the, a, a little bit about uh, the conflict that happened in, in, in that part of the world. You know, the, the disintegration of I mean, Yugoslavia. A little bit about the history of that, which is, you know, uh, I think movies sometimes take you to places that you might have known a little bit something about it, but then you kind of like understand how. More what happened. I think at the end of the day, you know, what you learn when you do a movie like this is you know, like how valuable these people are, how courageous they are, aid workers, doctors without borders, how much energy they have, and compassion for this, for for humans, you know. Um, And uh, and and I I think that um, that that's something that I knew a little bit and. And I, you know, after doing this show, I, I know more about it and I, and
0: I respect them more. Put it that way. In a film like this, um, we see uh, some very dramatic scenes. There was a really lovely scene between you and the grandfather of the young boy. Uh, and again, without giving too much away to people that haven't seen it, um, I loved seeing that film because so much was left unsaid and i'd like to know from you if that's the way it was written or it did it develop over time while you were shooting it that way
2: that, that scene is specific i think that was uh that was that was pretty much how it was written yeah. that the scene with the grandfather yeah. pretty much you know yeah um, um uh but some other things in the in the movie did develop the, conversations with the, with the director between,
0: between the actors, and something's changed a little bit. Um, are, are you comfortable uh, with that sort of change? Are, are you an actor that likes to sort of roll with the punches, or do you like it when you have a script, and then you stick with that script? I could do it either way. Yeah.
2: And yeah. that's you know, but, uh, but really I think that, uh, that there's some, there's some Ideas that can come from anywhere that are golden, and uh, you know, I I like to recognize. I like to say that I like to that I wish I could recognize good ideas when they're out there, whether they're from another actor or they come from myself. You know, if uh, you know, if, if there's a good idea there, I do believe that it's. Uh, we don't take advantage of that good idea at this moment while you're doing the film. You don't take advantage of that, it'll be gone forever. You know? And, uh, and you know, so if there's a good idea, I, I'm, I'm game to, to explore, to experiment. Yeah.
0: That was Benicio del Toro talking about a perfect world. He's currently filming Star Wars Episode 8. But I think what he does is he makes big movies like Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars Episode Eight, all that stuff so that he can circle back around and make smaller, interesting movies like A Perfect Day and Sicario, films like that. I would have liked to have seen him get nominated for an Academy Award, but hey, I just said I wasn't going to talk about the Academy Awards and I'm gonna try and stick true to my word until next year when I have to start doing it all over again. Well, that's it. That's all. There's no more. Benicio's gone home. Kim Barker's gone home. Go see Whiskey Tango Foxtrot in the theater. Go see A Perfect Day in the theater and leave me alone until next Monday when I invite you back to the House of Krause. We put up a new episode every single Monday. You never know who's going to stop by a visit, so make sure that you come by and check us out.